Files, it's Rob, and today I'm going to be talking about why your New Year's resolution still matters. So one thing to be aware of is just like it's easy to be jaded about these things, um, and I, I've been—I I will admit that I've contributed to this in a big way. Like I, I bag on people. I used to bag on people all the time because with New Year's resolutions, it's so easy to quit, right? Uh, 80% of people drop out of the race by the end of February, and by March or April, that number goes up to 97, 98% of people just making goals and then forgetting about goals. But I think that there's a lot of value in this tradition. I also used to poo-poo people because it's like, you know, I just make, I make New Year's resolutions, I make goals all the time now. Uh, I'm not like one of those people that only wait once a year to start up something fresh. But I think New Year's resolutions are something that make us great as a nation. The fact that it's built in as part of our culture speaks to who we are, who we want to be. And there's this drive to become greater and greater. Every year you get another opportunity for that. And that's something that I value. Uh, and it's not, up until now, it's something that I've taken for granted. But it's built within our culture to advance who we are as people. I was listening to this, I think it was a podcast about like just how rapidly human civilization has begun to advance. And I think in part we have New Year's resolutions to thank for that. Um, if we were to look at how people live right at the start of civilization, if you lived in ancient Egypt, for instance, and I know that's not the start of civilization, but let's just choose an arbitrary point in time. Um, I believe the statistic was something like if you live back in those times, the amount of growth that you would experience in a lifetime is equivalent to how much we'd get in about six months in our modern lives. Uh, back then, people didn't believe they could change. You were just one person. You occupied that role, your caste, and your place in society until the day that you died. There might be a little bit of room for advancement, but who you were was who you were. And that's strictly based off of belief as is so much of our reality. I think the biggest issue with New Year's resolutions is that we're shamed for not finishing them. When the real value is that you did try, you did set foot out into the unknown and you gave it a go, you had the intentions in place. But the fact that we get shamed for not completing those New Year's resolutions, it's something that we need to hide away in our secret closet, you know, that, that is probably the most counterproductive part of all of this. I believe that if we were to inhabit a culture or a civilization where that was normal, where that was acceptable, where failure was okay, um, we would be much more likely to get back off, dust off our pants or whatever it is that we happen to be wearing, and get back onto the gold ladder. But instead, it's like, oh, I failed and I'm a bad person and I'm never going to revisit this again. But I think this also raises the question of why do we set specific New Year's resolution goals? Is it for us? Or is it for how we want to appear? And for me, I remember that for most of my life, and even... Have I set a New Year's resolution? No, I haven't set a New Year's resolution yet. But, but I would say that up until this year, um, I was setting goals based off of how I believed that would have other people perceive me. Would I be more successful? Would I be more dateable or more attractive? When the simple reality is 
that when I choose to do something for other people, there's a really good chance that I'm just not going to enjoy doing it. For instance, I've tried to learn coding um, no less than five times in my life. Um, I pick it up. I, I took actually it was my initial major in undergrad. Then um, since then I've gone on to try different various pro programming platforms, learning different languages, seeing if somehow I can make this process enjoyable for me. But the truth was, I had associated software development, being an engineer, as a sign of success, as a more successful career than what I had going on at that point in time.、Um, but when we begin to look at the statistics, how many people are ready to just quit their jobs and do another thing? How many people want to transition into a different career? Most people are just tolerating what they're doing. Uh, about 70% of people are just kind of eh, whatever about their jobs. It's just something that we do to pass the time. And if you look at the average amount of time that a regular person spends on a job, it's it's eight hours a day, right? Forty hours a week. So we're investing fully one third of our adult lives into pursuits that make us feel eh. About life, and we wait until the weekend. We wait until the evening, right? We wait until we have a holiday saved up in order to start doing the things that would make life fulfilling. Now, if the physicalist reality is to be believed, we only have one shot at this. I don't personally subscribe to that belief anymore, but let's just take that as the case, right? We only have one shot at this. So why would I take a life? Where I trade off my ability to actually enjoy life, and I spend fully 33% of it miserable, or just accepting or going through the motions, when I have the option of creating a lifestyle where I feel fulfilled most of the time. But first, that starts at looking at where are these goals coming from. Are they coming from a place of people pleasing and needing to meet other people's expectations, or are they coming from a place of true authenticity? This is something that really lights me up. This is why I'm goddamn here, and I'm gonna do that thing. And when we start coming from that place, rather than the alternative of I just need to look good or avoid looking bad, all of a sudden a whole new possibility in your lifestyle begins to open up, and that's very much what happened for me. I learned a long time ago that working corporate and making like six figures a year. That allows me a certain kind of lifestyle, but the trade-off for me was that you know I would be the first one in and the last one out every single day. I'd show up, no one would be at their cubicles. I'd leave after the janitor left, right after they finished vacuuming the place. And I was in one of the richest cities in the world, Century City in LA, right?、Um, I think I think the median income there was like two hundred thousand dollars or three hundred thousand dollars, just absurdly high, right? I was right across the, the way from a Westfield that had like nothing but premium brands. Everything was more expensive than I could afford, or more expensive than I would have wanted to spend at that time. And even though I had the status and the success,、um, I was living a very empty life. It became very clear to me very shortly after I took on that job that this was not going to make me any happier. Despite having the title, despite managing a team of like dozens of people, and I, I also used to think that being a manager was really fun. I just get to tell people what to do, 
wrong. <laughs> Completely wrong. It's a different reality, right? So I say all of this to deliver this point. We often treat money in our careers and success as something that will solve everything that we're experiencing. All the emotional turmoil, the unhappiness, the unfulfillment. If I just save up enough money, well, then I'm going to be fulfilled, right? When I retire, I'm going to be happy. But then if we look at the data and we see like all of those senior citizens that are, you know, you know the ones, the ones that are all like shrunken in on themselves and bitter and angry, like, like they've just sucked on a lemon wedge and they hate you and the world because they had to do it, right? You know the old people that I'm talking about. If money solved the problems that it did, if success in retirement solved the problems that we think that it does, then why do those people exist? Right? We really have to stop and wonder. There are billionaires out there that have depression, that are thinking about suicide on a daily basis. Right? And I think COVID, this situation with the quarantine has made it abundantly clear that there are many very successful people. Celebrities that everyone wants to sleep with. They make millions of dollars a year. And some of them die by suicide too. So you want to begin to get that this goal setting, your success, all of it is intimately tied together. Your lifestyle building, what you decide to do with your time and your money. All of them at this moment in time are, are on one, it's all on one track or another. You've only got two choices here. One is I'm doing these things for other people. One is I'm doing these things for myself. And the minute that you can make the jump between I'm doing this for other people to I'm doing this for myself, everything begins to fall into place, right? Not just your romantic relationships, right? Not just your sex life, not just your finances, everything. At the end of the day, what we are looking for is a proxy for fulfillment. We're looking to have a meaningful experience of life. And what we neglect to look at is what would actually provide that for us. And when we plan for the future, we're looking at hypotheticals for the most part. I think that if I were to lose six pounds or 12 pounds or 50 pounds and get six pack abs, um, I would be more fulfilled, more healthy, more happy. When the truth of the matter, what I want is to be more fulfilled and more healthy and happy. And I can easily generate those emotional states for myself by not having to go through the grueling process of hitting my home gym or buying really expensive weights because those are not available on Craigslist or whatever anymore. The truth of the matter is, I can feel happy and successful at any point in time. I can just stop and remember a time when I felt those particular emotions. Which brings up the very legitimate question of, why do anything at all then if I can achieve my desired emotional and mental state? And I think that brings us into some really interesting territory. Right? And for me, that answer is, yeah, there really isn't a point. I could probably just meditate in a cave and eat like mushrooms and scavenge for herbs and roots and stuff for, for my life and still like be relatively happy. And I can also begin to do things to build out my lifestyle so that I can spend as much time as possible in the states that I want. So that's where we begin to look. 
that's where we begin to build things out from that platform. What has provably made me happy in the past? What has provably had me feeling fulfilled? And then how do I fill my life with as much of that as possible? And how much money would I need to earn in order to do that? Where would I need to live, right? How much money would I need to, in order to live the kind of lifestyle that I want to live in that particular area? And when we do the math backwards from there, in creating the perfect environment for our own deep fulfillment and in a meaningful life, then we can begin to come up with meaningful goals. And I invite you to begin to do that for your New Year's resolutions. If you haven't set one already, or if you'd like to set a new one after hearing this podcast, try it on and see if that fits a little bit better for you. Rather than taking another spin around the hamster wheel, begin exploring what legitimately works for you. F everyone else for a second here. Be selfish and think about what would be fulfilling for you. And then work backwards from there. And if you got anything out of this podcast, please send me your validation. (laughs) Subscribe, rate it, leave a comment, whatever kind of interaction that you can have on the platform that you're on. It helps me out immensely. And as always, thank you so much for listening and being here. I'll catch you on the next episode, Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time.